गोविंद जय जय गोपाल जय जय हरे गोविंद जय जय गोविंद जय जय गोपाल जय जय राधा रमाना हरे गोविंद जय जय हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा कृष्ण कृष्णा हरे 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 राम हरे श्रीमाते भक्ति वेदांत स्वामी नाम नमयाम विष्णु पदाय कृष्ण प्रस्तूतले सीमाते भक्ति वेदांत स्वामी नाम नमस्ते सरस्वती देवे गौरवाणी प्रचारिणे निर्विशेष शून्य भारिणे श्री अद्वैता 
घरार हरा सिवासरी Bhakti Vrinda ki jai, Iskan Aslo ki jai, Gaur Bhakti Vrinda ki jai, Hare Krishna. I am going to pin, I'm going to pin you so I can see all of you in the temple. 
There you are. So due to a little bit of uh, distancing, some are sitting on the side, so you cannot see them in the camera also. But ah. maybe can... <laughs> can they come over so I can see them? Oh. There they are. There they are. Social distancing. Social distancing. But there's a lot of space here. I want to see your lotus face. I'd like to see your lotus face. If it's possible. Like this. And we have you on a uh, on a what's it called? <laughs> a no. Three hundred foot screen. You have me yes. on a three hundred foot screen. <laughs> City Projector. Broadcasting out on the street. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay, let me move my keyboard. <clears throat> I will. I will mute us. I have uh, sent you some questions yesterday, and I got uh, one more, so we can take wanna, that at the end. You want to decide which questions you want to ask, or I should just oh, take them. Someone here also maybe have a question, then we can take it live. We have some very heavy questions. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll mute us. Okay, so I'll read the first question. Okay, fasten your seatbelts, everyone. Heavy questions. This question, number one, is about attachment. Every time we hear about attachment, we hear of attachment to husband and children. Why is not job also a part of the attachment? We could, we could be proud to be a doctor, proud of any of our jobs, proud of one's position. Should one not let go of these attachments? Which attachments are good for our, spir <coughs> our spiritual life? <coughs> well, We should be attached to the devotees. That's what the Bhagavatam says. That's a very good attachment to have. So attachment is not bad. It just depends what you're attached to. Everything in Krishna consciousness is meant to replace the attachment to material things. Because if you don't replace the attachment, how do you give it up? You can't, you know, we're not just trying, okay, like, like today, let's say I say, okay, Today's class, we're going to teach you how to give up attachment. So I would like you to not think of anything and not be attached to anything. All right. And class is over. And uh, my final wish to you is good luck. You'll never be able to do this. It's not possible. Right? So Krishna consciousness is when you become, well, when you become detached from anything, you're becoming detached because it no longer serves you, right? I mean, think of anything you let go of. Why did you let go of it? You don't need it. Correct? Correct? Yes? You don't, you, otherwise, if you need it, or you, you don't need it or you don't like it, it has no purpose in your life. So, when a devotee becomes detached, He's becoming detached from the aspect of that object which is no longer 
beneficial or useful for him. Not necessarily detached from that object or that person. Just like here, the example was given husband and children, or it can be wife and children. So what does that mean to not be attached to the husband or the wife? It means not attached to seeing them as your source of sense gratification. I'm going to get married, and my husband and wife will be my machine for sense gratification. Sometimes the husband is called the walking ATM. Just tap into him and money comes out. I'm going to get married and he'll be the walking ATM. Or my wife is uh, an instrument, uh, the wife is an instrument for a man's sexual desire. So if we say detachment from husband and wife, we're saying detachment from your concept that you are the enjoyer. And you replace that with the concept that you're the servant. I am the servant. And so many people get married thinking, now, finally, I will enjoy life. I have a husband, I have a wife. And that ends up in a major disaster, right? Rather than a marriage, it becomes a disaster zone, right? You have to put, you do that in your country? There's some, they put up yellow tape to protect people like if there's a hole or something. Do you do that? Yes? Yeah, so, you know, if you um, if you enter not only household life, but anything you enter thinking, I will enjoy this, this is the purpose, it's my enjoyment, it becomes a disaster zone. And so detachment means not that I don't have a wife or children, but I'm detached from thinking I'm the enjoyer of the wife and children, right? So often Prabhupada said something, which is quite heavy, but I will explain it. Or it sounds heavy, not really heavy. But he said, don't have children like cats and dogs. So what does that mean? Well, a dog meets another dog in the street. It's the right season, and they have children. And those children don't go to Gurukul. Dogs don't go to Gurukul. So they just live like dogs. That's normal. That's natural. But he's saying, don't raise children to live like animals just for sense gratification so they say but i'm attached to my child so Prabhupada would say good you're attached to your child so now because you're attached do everything you can to help your child become a pure devotee that's how you exhibit your attachment and if you're attached to my child we become the best doctor in norway and the best brain surgeon or heart surgeon and my child will become and that will make me feel so great and proud and, and I'll be wealthy and they'll be wealthy and no there's a lot of you know, I don't know how to say this properly without offending anyone but a lot of parents they they're so concerned with their children becoming materially successful that they neglect their spiritual. They they minimize. I'm talking about parents who are practicing Krishna consciousness sometimes can emphasize the material side to the to such an extent that it minimizes the child's spiritual life. So that that would be considered a material attachment to children. So yes, you should be attached 
to your husband or wife, attached to serving them, helping them become Krishna conscious, attached to your children, helping them become Krishna conscious. You know, it's funny when we talk about attachment to husband and wife. It's like if you weren't attached, you wouldn't get married, right? <laughs> so <laughs> if, if you get married and you're not attached, it doesn't work. You know, the wife says to the husband, you haven't looked at me or spoken to me in the last three years. And he goes, yes, I'm very detached. I must be advancing in Krishna consciousness. Well, you know, if you're so detached, you know, you don't need to get married. So naturally, we get married because there's some attachment for living with the opposite sex, having children and so forth. And if there wasn't, we wouldn't get married. And so... Uh, Complete detachment, if it goes to the point of uh, becoming kind of dysfunctional in a sense, uh, there's no relationship. That's not what. That's not what uh, we mean by detachment. So, I think we can apply we can apply this to everything. You know, when you talk about detachment, because there's other questions here about, okay, should I be detached? from my position, my job. Well, if you're too detached from your job, same thing, you'll just sit there and your boss says, why aren't you working? He said, because I'm so detached. I don't, you know, I'm detached from my job, so I'm just sitting here waiting for the paycheck, but I'm not working. No, that would obviously be foolish. What is your detachment? Um, I'm not identified with this position. Oh, I'm a doctor, so I'm better than the garbage collector. I, I don't identify with my position. And then the money I use to live simply and whatever extra I can use that in Krishna's service. So it's the same thing. I'm I, Detachment doesn't mean I don't do it, but it means... I'm detached from enjoying that position. That's why in the Gita, Krishna keeps talking about giving up the fruits of your labor. He said, you have to do things, but I'm the enjoyer, and that's the the hard lesson that we're trying to learn. You know, I, I hate to bear the bad news, but Krishna's the enjoyer, not us. You probably heard that before, right? Yeah, I remember hearing that somewhere sometime. Yeah, but that's hard to remember, isn't it? That Krishna is the enjoyer. Because when when we go out in life, you know, who's the center of our life? When you go out in the world, who's the center? It's us. How we can be happy, right? Isn't it? What are you going to do after the feast today? You're going to go home and think, all right, what's next? <laughs> what can I do to be happy? That's Krishna's position, the enjoyer. And so once we're in the mood of, okay, it's all for Krishna, his enjoyment, then we're okay. Everything's fine. And that's detachment. And so you live in a big mansion, you have all facility, and you're completely detached because you see it's all for Krishna. It's not mine. It's not my house. Right? And you live in a little hut and you think, this is my hut. This is my family. This is my... And then you're completely attached even though you look like you're detached. Right? Does that make sense? Mm. 
Now, um, I began by saying, because the question says, well, what attachments are good? No attachment is bad if the consequence is that it it helps you or helps and or helps other people become Krishna conscious. Those are all the good attachments. But <laughs> if we can be attached to chanting Hare Krishna, we can be attached to hearing Bhagavatam, if we can be attached to associating with devotees, these uh, we can be attached to visiting the Dham. Um, become attached to the deities. These are very powerful. These attachments will will detach us from all bad attachments. And in fact, the sign of our progress in spiritual life is we're becoming attached. More attached to devotees, more attached to the deities, more attached to the temple, more attached to chanting, more attached to hearing. You may remember this story when Srila Prabhupada was being recommended for initiation, Bhakti Siddhanta said, yes, I've noted that he likes to hear because whenever Prabhupada was in the presence of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta, he just wanted to hear from him. And if there were any other events that he could go to, he wouldn't go. He would always just hear from Srila Bhakti Siddhanta. So, he was very attached to hearing. That's a very good attachment, isn't it? And Prabhupada showed that. So, if we're progressing in spiritual life, one of the ways we can see it is by our attachment. I can't see the deities. Uh, can we? Can, oh, it's too late? Or are the curtains closed? Or yeah, Maybe I get darshan later. Possible? Yeah. <clears throat> so I think these are. Um, I, I think we should also be attached to our service. That's really good. That we look forward to it. We dream about it. We execute it with enthusiasm. We like to, because, obviously, I mean, here's the problem. Obviously, if we're not attached to spiritual activity. As I was saying in the beginning, we're going to become attached. We can't just sit around without attachment. We're going to be attached to something. And I have found in my own life, and also I've helped devotees understand this because I've seen <clears throat> that being having service that inspires us is one of the mo- one of the most important things for our spiritual life, because. Inspiration and enthusiasm is natural. But if we don't have service, which is inspiring, then we get inspired by something else. Inspired by the the latest this or that, sporting event, politics, fashion, shopping. There's so many things to inspire us, so to speak, inspire us. But when you're inspired in your service, it tends to occupy your heart in your mind. You look forward to it, you think about it. So it's such a blessing to have service. Don't ever think of service as an inconvenience or or something getting in the way of your life. It's the greatest blessing. And in fact, as as we know, as Prabhupada has said many times, Krishna does not need our service. 
the service we're doing for Krishna is for our benefit, not for him. He's not like lacking anything. Oh, I don't have enough servants. Can you can you serve? No, Krishna has plenty of servants. He doesn't need us. We need his service. So many times Prabhupada said, the service is created for our benefit. So it's it's important to have service, and especially service that inspires you, that makes you because it makes you think about it because when you're inspired in your service, then your mind and heart, emotion, everything is in, involved. It's involved in that service. It's what occupies your mind. Um, Prabhupada said we should think of Krishna 20 hours a day. And you might think, well, I'm not very advanced and I'm not very attached to Krishna. How could I think of him 24 hours a day? But you can think of service 24 hours a day. And service is not different from Krishna. So, in a state where you're not that, um, where you're progressing in Krishna consciousness, if you have service and you think, I have to do this, I can do it better in this way or that way, you're absorbed. You may not say, Well, I'm not thinking of Krishna exactly, but you're thinking of your service, and the service is transcendental, and so that keeps you transcendental. Just like deity worship, right? Does Krishna need us to install him on the altar? Does he need that? Like if we if we don't have deities, if we just have a picture, is Krishna going to be upset, discouraged, disturbed, sad? No. He doesn't need anything. We we don't offer something. that we should be offering for us, right? So when we uh, install deities, who ultimately are we installing deities for? <laughs> for Krishna or for us? Ultimately, it's for Krishna, right? Oh, I have a bad connection. Hold on. We might get slightly disconnected for a nanosecond. I'm... It should be better. Okay, we're still here. I'm still here. Uh, hopefully better. I don't know. Should be better. We'll find out. Yeah. So, um, I could, uh, for me, in my personal life, having a service that's in line with my nature, that inspires me, um, has had so many benefits on my spiritual life. So many aspects of my spiritual life have benefited from being inspired by my service. Um, and I've had services which were not inspiring, which were very difficult for me. And it was more difficult. It made my spiritual life more difficult, more difficult to be steady, more difficult to jump out of bed knowing that today I have service that just drives me crazy. I can't do it. I don't like it. It's not my nature. Uh, another The day will be another nightmare for me. I've been in situations like that where the service was so against my nature. It was like, it was like I was living in a nightmare, kind of. And you might say, but how can you feel that way about devotional service? Okay, I'm exaggerating. But compared to being engaged in service which was aligned with my nature, it felt like that, like not inspired. So if you can find service that inspires you, 
It's a great fortune. Okay, now we have question number two, which is similar to question number one. Are you ready for question number two? It's a <laughs> it's about sense gratification. Uh, two dirty words <laughs> that we often hear in the Hare Krishna movement. Prabhu, you're a sense gratifier. Get out of my house. I don't want to see your face. So this, the, the two dirty words of the Hare Krishna movement. Sense gratification. doesn't get any worse than that, right? Sense gratification. Prabhu, that's just sense gratification. <laughs> okay, so we get to talk about it. Is is it that only sex life and it, uh, attachment to it is sense gratification? And the question goes on. Every time sex life is used as an example, and I think that it's more than just that, but people don't understand, isn't it gambling and other addictions, shopping, eating, gaming, how to give these up? I think it's um, similar to the first point. It's it's much more subtle than gross activity. It's actually thinking, doing anything, thinking with this ego of I'm the enjoyer, then it becomes sense gratification. Simple, right? All right. Look at that beautiful sunset. Sense gratification, Prabhu. That you should that sun is Krishna's eye. You should be thinking how I can serve Krishna. Mm, smell that rose. Sense gratification, Prabhu. You should be thinking, get that rose for Krishna offered to the deity. Right? Wow, look at that sweet rice. Oops, it wasn't offered. Oh, sense gratification. What, you have a question? Sanatini? Or a comment? Yeah, or yeah, what? it's just, yes, yes. Uh, I, so we can enjoy after Krishna has enjoyed, like for example, when we offer prasadam, but then it also comes to a point when it's actually for our own senses, right? Because it's too much enjoyment. <laughs> Depends how good the sweet rice is. As long as they put sugar instead of salt, yeah. That becomes a problem. Um, <clears throat> you ever had sweet rice with salt? They, they thought the salt was sugar and that nobody eats it. And <laughs> um, this is, um, it, I think we can just go back to the original point to answer this question that it's a mentality. Prasadam is delicious. And so there's different ways of taking it. And you, when you're taking prasadam, you think, oh, this is delicious. Krishna has enjoyed this. I'm very happy that we have offered this nice prasadam to Krishna. And now when I'm taking it and tasting it as delicious, I think, oh, this is very nice that Krishna has enjoyed this. Uh, let me give you an example. Let's say you're, Sanatani, you're having a birthday party for your daughter. And you hire a devotee to bake a cake, a birthday cake. And you're really busy, and so you're doing everything at the party, and you don't take prasadam with the devotees. And after the party's over, you finally have time to eat. And you're eating the birthday cake, and you're thinking, this birthday cake is so good. But you're thinking, oh, all the guests and my daughter, I'm so happy they got to, to eat this beautiful Delicious birthday cake. That's how you're thinking. Although you're tasting it and it tastes good and you're enjoying it, but you're also thinking, 
everybody got to enjoy this birthday cake. Now, you might say, well, I don't know exactly I'd be thinking that, but let's just assume you are. But I definitely know if that birthday cake had salt in it instead of sand, instead of sugar, or let's say it had sand in it instead, had salt and sand instead of sugar, you'd be eating it and you'd be thinking, oh, no. I had this, everybody had to eat this cake and my daughter on her birthday and it's so you understand the idea right that it's that we're we're enjoying it but we're thinking um, it's enjoyed by Krishna so we're happy that it, it was made so nicely and also thinking well it's been enjoyed by Krishna and therefore he wants me to relish it and because it was offered for his enjoyment, I'm relishing it as prasadam. It's it's different because the mentality is not that I'm the enjoyer. As soon as the mentality is I'm the enjoyer, then you can turn anything into sense gratification, even the holy name. Right? I'm the enjoyer. I'm going to do kirtan, and you are all going to think Mahatma's kirtans are amazing, and I will be famous in Oslo as the greatest kirtania that ever appeared in Norway. And that's the only reason I decided to give this class, just so I could become famous in Oslo as the greatest kirtani. So, nothing wrong with the kirtan, right? Just something wrong with the person leading the kirtan. The mentality, right? So you you can turn Krishna something Krishna-conscious into sense gratification. And some sense gratification you can turn into Krishna consciousness by your mentality. So, okay, and then we're saying, you know, the Shastras always talk about the other two nest, the other two dangerous words, sex life. Ta-da! You know, uh, bad words, don't talk about it. Okay, but Krishna says, Dharma, Virudha, Bhuteshu. Kamosmi Bharatasham. I am I am sex. I am that sex life. When you have sex for having children, I am that sex. So here you go. The big entanglement, the number one attraction, the featured film of the material world, the sex life. And Krishna says, I am it. Right? So and then you have this example, which is so interesting. The Mayavads. So the goal of the Mayavad is to become God, or at least to think they've become God. So in order to become God, they become austere. They give up sense gratification. But becoming God is the greatest sense gratification, isn't it? I mean, if you could become God, you would be the supreme enjoyer. So they renounce to get the ultimate position of the ultimate enjoyer, becoming God. Because what can be better than becoming God? Um, you could become Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos or Warren Buffett or any kind of millionaire. But if you could become God, that would put them to shame. You'd be in a much better position. So even in the name of renouncing, ultimately they're renouncing with the desire to become God. You want to hear a joke? Somebody, <laughs> this devotee is very funny. He took sannyas. And he said, why did you take sannyas? He said, because I wanted to get a good wife. And he said, he said because once you take sannyas, all the women want to marry you. So it was a joke, but um, there may have been some truth in there, you know, in the back of someone's mind, you know. 
I'll take sannyasa, I'll become attractive to the women. I'll become attractive to everybody. I'll take sannyasa and, you know, people will honor me. And So taking sannyasa is very good. It, it, if one can do it, they should. But taking sannyasa to get adoration, what to speak of attract women, uh, not a good idea, I don't think. What do you think? <laughs> I don't think so, yeah. So... <laughs> Okay, we voted against that. But, but so the point is, you can take something good and and with the wrong consciousness try to enjoy it and take something bad and with the right consciousness turn it around. Um, I just read something really interesting about Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasanti Thakur because as you know, he used a lot of things that were traditionally not used by sannyasis, like cars. They just walked barefoot. What to speak of a car, you know. Wearing his shoes, oh, that sannyasi's wearing shoes. He must be bogus. You know, it was like that was the culture. You know, very strict. <clears throat> and he and there's pictures of him, and he's all dressed up like a, you know, a gentleman. You know, his beautiful coat and shoes, and in a car. And he said, "We should dress better than everybody else. We should have everything better than everyone else." Because then they'll come and respect and hear us. Isn't that interesting? So he was taking things which were traditionally considered sense gratification, especially for a sannyasi, and using them and saying, we should use the best. Devotees should have the best. We should, um, and he could use it all and be completely detached from it. So that's the idea. Um, so, um, isn't gambling, other addictions, shopping, eating, gaming, yeah. Anything can be sense gratification. How to give these up? Well, we should be so busy in service we don't have time for them. Oh, today, Prabhu, I was so busy. It was amazing. By 5 p.m. in the evening, I realized I hadn't eaten breakfast or lunch yet. That ever happened to you? You ever get so busy that like you miss a meal? It happens to me a lot. Like um, I'll show up for breakfast in in my house. I have an office outside my house. I'll show up about two p.m. and I'm really busy, and I'll ask my wife, "So what's for breakfast?" You know, because I was like writing all morning. You know, and I just lose track of time. So that's good, right? Lose. You get so absorbed in service, you forget. I mean, if you have to go to work, it's not good to forget. But uh, if you can be so absorbed that you forget sense gratification, that's good. So that's that's a way to forget sense gratification. But ultimately, it's because we're spiritually empty that we need sense gratification to fill us up, right? Because what else are you going to fill yourself up with? It's the material world. And as you become more rich in spiritual life, your desire for sense gratification decreases. Now, we have a problem. It's a huge problem. We have been programmed on the most subtle levels to think that happiness equals sense gratification. And when we have that program, whenever there's an opportunity for sense gratification, we go for it because we're psychologically programmed to think that equals happiness. Even if the intelligence knows, that's not going to make me happy. Have you ever done that? And your intelligence is saying, 
you idiot, that's not going to make you happy while you're going after it. Right in the process of going after it, your mind is saying, this is not going to make you happy. Because, so you have two things. You have the knowledge that you've been given, and then you have the conditioning, the programming, you know, that we grew up with, you know, not only in this life, but every life. And so it's so deeply rooted, and we're looking at it and we're thinking, why am I thinking this is going to make me happy when I know it won't? It never has. And I know from Shastra also. That's because we're conditioned. Just to think, sense gratification equals happiness. <clears throat> so we have to experience Krishna consciousness on a level where it can replace sense gratification, where we experience it as better. Because just knowing it's better, you know, doesn't work. I mean, it works sometimes, but not always. But experiencing it as better, that's what works, right? If you don't experience it as better, then why would you be able to give it up? Why would you even want to? Because you have nothing, right? So, you know, okay, let's give an example. And I think this is easy for us to understand. You see a person who's addicted to drugs or addicted to alcohol. What do you think? Well, there are many things you think. One thing you think is of unfortunate person. But probably at some point you think empty life, right? What was going on in their life that they need, needed to drink alcohol every day, all day? You think something, some sadness, some emptiness. And, and you think, you think, well, naturally... If they had some education, had a decent job, had friends, family, what to speak of Krishna consciousness, they had something more. This is just a material example. They had something more. They wouldn't have done that. And if they're going to break the addiction, they also need to find something more in their own life. Isn't it? I think that's a simple example to understand. But it's the same thing with us. If we... Um, don't have more spiritually, we're not full spiritually, then we just become attracted to the things of this world that we've been conditioned to be attracted to. And the the problem now, this problem is so severe now because society has become so degraded that everywhere you look, there's sexual vibrations. And the point of spiritual life, one point of spiritual life is to be able to control that because if you can control yourself sexually, you you have control of everything else. And everywhere you look in this society, there's a subtle message that says you should have sex. It's not saying you should get married because it's good for your spiritual life. It's basically subtly we're being programmed to say you should just have sex because that'll make you happy. Sex with who? Anybody will do it. That's that's how we're being programmed. And so if we don't have some form of higher taste in Krishna consciousness, that kind of programming is going to affect us, subtly or grossly, right? If it's not gross, it's subtle. You'll spend all your money to look good, to impress other people. You'll spend all your money to become somebody special. That's a subtle aspect of sex life. So either gross or subtle become someone in society, live in a good neighborhood, have a <clears throat> high position, drive a nice car, impress. This is also part of, as Prabhupada said, that's part of the subtle sexual. So that is so strong in society, isn't it? Who are you? Where do you live? 
What labels on your shoe? What labels on your suit? What labels on your car? What year is it? What position do you have in the company? This is all this is all subtle sex and it's we're programmed for it. Right? And we're programmed to impress the opposite sex. It's a really, really horrible environment. <clears throat> if we could create any environment we'd want, uh, we if we could create an environment conducive to spiritual life, we would basically create an environment which, which was um, the exact opposite of that, wouldn't we? Where there's more separation of men and women, where men and women dress in a way not to attract one another, where... Uh, we're not trying to inflate our egos with position, but we're just trying to be servants. We're trying to help other people. That's what we'd be doing, right? They have this um, term that's come up lately. It's called objectification. Some of you may have heard this. Obje um, so objectification means to look at a person like an object, not a person, but an object which you can enjoy. They're just objects for my enjoyment. Have you? How many of you have heard that word? You raise your hand if you've heard it before. Okay, so yeah, I guess it's in, the world's interesting, right? We kind of have one culture now, right, due to the internet. So um, this is this is the programming that young boys get growing up. They don't. They're not programmed to see women as mother. They're not. They don't go to Gurukul and learn austerity. They don't learn to take care of themselves in school. They don't learn to be responsible in school. They don't learn sense control. But by the time they're about 11, they learn that women are objects of their sexual desire. Isn't it? 11, 12, 13. That's how they grow up. So, and, and you might, the women might say, well, that's the men. Uh, we don't, we don't think that way. But the problem is because the men judge you by how you look, now you're concerned how you look and you're thinking, if I don't look sexy, I won't get a man. My girlfriend will get the guy instead of me. So because the men are demanding women to be sexy, then the women become sexy. Then the whole environment is just saturated with that consciousness, which is the exact opposite of what you create in a real human culture, right? Because look at look at Vedic culture. What happens to the boys? When they're five, they become brahmacharis. And what are the girls trained in? Chastity. You're going to have one husband and you're going to have no boyfriends. That's what they learn. And the, the boy, you're not even going to think about a girl for the next 20 years. You're just going to get trained. And then if you want to get married, you will. Once. Completely different culture, right? Now look at culture now. It's, it's destructive. So, <clears throat> that's what we're up against. And, and all the more reason to go more deeply into our Krishna consciousness because the environment is so hostile. And because the environment is so hostile, if we're not careful, we get pushed around by that environment. I mean, that's the beauty, the beauty of studying Vedic culture. You might, you know, you, sometimes you study it in the Bhagavatam and, and it, you're thinking, this isn't relevant. We can't do this today. 
But the beauty of studying it is just to see this is how human beings lived and how much better it is. And then that, by comparison, you can see how off modern society is, how off the market is. We have another question. How to redirect negative passions to Krishna? Is there any method? Yeah, I think the answer is service. Um, negative passions, you mean like anger and envy? And yeah, there are ways. Um, you Sometimes you see in great devotees who are very compassionate, sometimes you see them angry or you see them making statements which um, appear to be hurtful statements or even racist statements. And you, you're thinking, I don't understand. Here's a sadhu full of compassion, full of kindness, tolerance. Now he's saying something. Uh, we just heard he's saying something heavy. We... Um, We heard a story yesterday. This Bhakti Siddhanta was just walking somewhere, and he was heard through some program. He was walking by some program, and he heard a speaker speaking Mayavad. And he got so upset, he walked on stage and slapped him in the face. And he said, It is not all one. I'm slapping you, and it hurts. And it doesn't hurt me. We are not one. He was so angry. And there are other stories like that where he he become so angry because people were preaching that Krishna and the living entity are one. So the point of negative emotions used in Krishna's consciousness, what we I wouldn't call those externally you could call those negative emotions, but <clears throat> what's generating that emotion? What if you were walking down the street and you heard someone talking about your mother saying, your mother has no head. Your mother has no arms. Your mother has no legs. Uh, Would you be upset? I think so. If you love your mother, you'd be upset. And if you weren't upset, we would think something's wrong with you. Somebody's saying these things about your mother and you're just being shanti, shanti, don't get upset, be tolerant. No, we would think something's wrong with you. I, I heard read a story this morning that similar thing happened. Someone was speaking Mayavad, and he just went up to him, and he, or was that a program or something? And he was just shaking him, screaming at him, because his Krishna is being offended, and he can't tolerate it. So that anger is generated from his love. So any emotion even if it appears so-called negative, generated from love of Krishna, obviously it's not negative. And so any emotion you have which you can use in Krishna's service, good. And if you can't use it, then it is negative. And if you can, it's positive. Right? Uh, we're out in Harinam and some drunk guy, some drunk guy is like grabbing a woman and then Ananta goes up and just grabs the guy, you know, pushes him pushes him away and you know in his face and says you know you do that again you're going to be in trouble right and ananta's blood is boiling you know 
And everybody's saying, don't punch him, Ananta. He goes, I won't punch him now, but next time. Yeah. So he's using... <laughs> that's, he's doing that to protect the devotees. He's angry that the, this drunk is bothering the women. He's angry, but that anger is generated from his desire to protect the devotees. So that the... You know, we always have to look at the reason why we do something. Cause, because, you know, you may do something which looks good for the wrong reason or do something bad for the right reason. So as long as the emotions are being used in Krishna's service and <clears throat> generated out of affection for Krishna or his devotees, it's not negative. Right? I mean, sometimes a devotee may say, I hate such and such person. And such a sense person, you hate them because they've caused destruction to so many people, some politician, uh, leader, corrupt, despot, this, uh, and you feel, you feel anger towards that person for causing so much suffering. Um, there, you know, um, I was I did a program on pornography. I found out that about thirty percent of the internet is pornography. It's one of the biggest industries. And if you get into it, you start learning about the prostitution industry, and then childhood prostitution exists, and what they call sexual slavery. They lure women in, offer them a so-called better life. And it makes you angry when you see this, how women are being exploited, what to speak of children. It makes your blood boil. It makes you want to feel like if I could meet those guys, I would just like to tie them to a telephone pole so they can't do any more damage. And um, it makes you feel like um, I, w I want to arrest everyone who has a website, porno you know, you, you, por pornographic website. I'd like to arrest them like to see them in jail for the rest of their life because they're destroying so many people. And so we become angry. Obviously, um, we're not going to go arrest people, tie them up to a telephone pole. But sometimes, sometimes these emotions come up. We feel angry when we see people exploited. And so those emotions are being generated because of our concern that people are suffering, people are being misled. We become angry. Or sometimes we become sorry. We start crying when we see this. It's so sad. Or we have both emotions. So this is all this is all transcendental, we can say, because it's in Krishna's service. Question four Why is the whole culture important to embrace? How we dress, how we keep our hair, how we speak, how we deal with others, because it affects you. <clears throat> so the idea is that you want to create an environment in your life which supports your spiritual life. And and when we talk about culture, let's instead of talking about Indian culture and Vedic culture per se, in a more philosophical sense we're talking about a culture which is which is keeping us in Satvagun, at least in Satvagun. Satvagun is the next door neighbor to the spiritual world. And so we eat sattvic foods, whether it's a pakora or a veggie burger. Still, it should be sattvic. No onions, no garlic, this and that. So the idea of the culture is that it's sattvic. And anything within the culture 
that can help you in your Krishna consciousness, then you should do it. And if it doesn't help, why do it? And we're not attached to culture per se, but we're attached to doing things which will help us become Krishna conscious, right? So you can dress anyway and be a devotee. You can live in so many ways, but you want to dress and live and eat and interact in ways which will help you. And um, we have some principles of etiquette, principles of culture that help us be more sattvic. How we deal with one another, um, things we do. You know, a lot of the rituals we do are just meant to calm us down. Did you know that? Like, sometimes you could do something, but first you take Achman. Well, that's like, why do I have to take Achman? Why can't I just, you know? Well, you can take Achman before you chant Gayatri. It'll take you 20 seconds, but it'll, it'll purify you uh, with this mantra water that you put in your hand. You chant a mantra, you drink it, it'll purify you, it'll calm you, it'll slow you down. So a lot of rituals, <laughs> they just slow you down a lot. Keep you in Satwaguna. So that's the idea. And um, as far as dress, the idea of dress is that we should dress in a way that doesn't uh, entice the opposite sex. And so if you look at modern fashion, it's very... <clears throat> when, when a girl dresses up, even a young girl, even a child, will say, oh, you look very sexy in that outfit, as if looking sexy is good. You know, she's eight years old and we're telling her she looks sexy. Like, what crazy thing would you want to tell a Why? You would have to be crazy. We're all, that's a crazy thing to tell a girl, isn't it? And what are we, what does the word sexy mean? It means that if you dress this way, <clears throat> when men see you, they will think of having sex with you. That's what it means. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sorry to be so blunt, but dressing sexy means when men look at you, they think, oh, it would be nice to have sex with you. You want men to think that about you? I hope not. But many girls do, because that's the culture. So <clears throat> our culture is dress in a way that when men see you or women see you, they think of Krishna instead of sex. Is that too much to ask? Right? So you dress in a way, you know, loose-fitting clothes. We don't really notice your body. So now when we see you, we think, oh, mother or devotee, right? And, you know, we don't come to, you know, the men, you know, don't come to the temple with tight T-shirts so they can show their muscles off to all the ladies because they've just been working out the last month, you know. Or worse, in the summer, no shirt, just big muscles and, you know. It's just a disturbance, isn't it? You know, it's funny. I was just thinking about it. And uh, once a devotee painted a picture of Krishna, and he was kind of muscular. And Prabhupada said, "No, that's your meat eater's body. Krishna's body is soft. <laughs> that's your meat eater's muscular body." So all these guys with these big muscles—that's like you know, in India, the people who have the big muscles are the laborers because they're lifting heavy weights all the time, so they actually have big muscles. It's not actually considered attractive. <laughs> Funny, isn't it? And now in our culture, you know, big muscles, you know. It it's funny. 
The laborers, they have the big muscles. They're lifting all day. Anyway, that's all the questions we have. Do you want to ask more, Sanatan? Or you? Or well, someone they, in the oh, we don't have so much time, but is there anyone here who has a question? I have one. Uh, there was a very, like a yes or no answer uh, question also, which is after we've taken the human form, can we go back to being an animal? You can go back to anything you want. <laughs> I was a. Uh, I was in uh, Prabhupada's garden and Prabhupada, he would take his walks by the beach in California and Hawaii. So Prabhupada, especially I think in Hawaii, would see people surfing. You know, they'd have to explain this is what they're doing. And Prabhupada could see how attached the surfers were to the ocean and enjoying. He could see that they were enjoying. And he said that they're going to take birth as fish because they're attached to the ocean. So, you know, some people like to fly, you know. Why? You know, you know that apparatus, you jump off a mountain and you have these wings, I don't know what they call it, and you can fly, you know. Why bother, you know? And you go skin diving, why bother with the tank, you know? It's so much trouble. Just get a body that can live in the water, get a body that can fly, right? Or, you know, you're, you want to have sex many times a day. Well, don't, as a human, it's, you know, you'll kill yourself. Get a body of an animal that can do that. So, yeah, whatever you want, you can get. Not that you can get, whatever you want, you will get. So that's a caution. Be careful what you desire, because you will get it. Okay, we have now a we question. Have, we have another one. one, one other, just a sequel to okay. that. But, um, you may have heard this before, but Prabhupada said, if you live in the Holy Dom and you commit sin, you'll take your next birth as a hog. Because as a hog, you can do the same thing as a hog that you did as a human, but as a hog, it's not considered sinful. But as a human, it is. So all those things, the sinful things you did as a human, you can do as a hog now. And then as a hog, you'll be lying on the ground in Vrindavan. So basically, you'll be in touch with the dust of Vrindavan and you'll get purified. So even you know, like, even a devotee can become, uh, you know, Maharaj Bharat. He became a deer, so, you know, I would just say be careful. Don't get too okay, attached. So. Your, don't get too attached to your dog. Be careful. You, you don't want to think of your dog at the time of death. You'll end up like Maharaj Bharat. Yes, we have another question. Yes, Ananta Prabhu has a question. Should I come down? Yeah, you can come. Ananta Das. Hare Krishna. <laughs> Well, it's a little controversial, but uh, it made me, it makes me think because I'm, I have a style I have and I'm a little bit on in the labels and like that. Uh, but then also Shila Prabhupada said either dhoti or suit. Uh-huh. But my question goes in another direction. Um, we see Kirtan leaders, we see even Prabhupada disciples and, uh, you know, big, big leaders in our society. And... Uh, it's about, uh, I would say, I'm a little marked because like two, three weeks ago, I, I just spoke with my daughter and she said, oh, mommy got a new tattoo. Daddy, do you like tattoos? And I said, <laughs> oh, I don't like them. And um, I mean, it's okay. Some, uh, some people like them and like that. But then after hearing the philosophy, 
because Bhaktivya Purnaswami said once that uh, we become vegans because the carbons, they are vegans. We get the tattoos or the muscles because carbons, they do like. So it's a kind of a trend like Iskon is churning yeah. the eyes towards the... Yeah. And then we see that after hearing the philosophy, still people getting more tattoos or more muscles or more <laughs> labels. Like, can, can you just cover this uh, concept a little bit? Uh, Thank you. Well... Indirectly, um, I think Bhaktivedi Purnaswami's point is good. That <clears throat> Prabhupada wrote me a letter, and he said, "He said we shouldn't do anything. We shouldn't try to um, do things which we would we in which we would be adapting the culture of the Western people, but rather we shouldn't be doing anything to please them, like." Compromising to a please, please, that's what he said. We shouldn't compromise our standard to please them, right? So I think that's a, a, a good place to start this answer. Don't compromise our standard to please people. So then the question would be why, what's the purpose of doing anything, right? And so, well, then everybody will say, well, you know, it says in Shastra you should tattoo the names of Krishna and the Sri Sampradaya. You get tattooed at initiation, and you know you should write the name Krishna on your forehead and, and body and so forth. So um, I, I for one, am not inclined to criticize anyone for having tattoos. But you know, if the reason for getting the tattoo is to get more sex life, obviously, <laughs> or <laughs> impress the women or, you know, impress anyone. But um, it, it's it's interesting because like Bhakti Siddhanta was saying, we should dress better than them. So what does that mean, to dress better than them? It means you're, you're wearing the clothes they wear. You're impressing them with the styles that they wear. You're just, you just have better, you have the same styles, but just better styles. So, you know, that's also a consideration of, of doing something which would um, perhaps help us in our preaching to get to to impress people. I don't know. I think I think sometimes devotees do that. You know, just it's like it gives me an advantage with these people. I know one one devotee. She grew dreadlocks, and I said, "Why do you have dreadlocks?" She said, "So I can." Preach to the other people with dreadlocks. <laughs> it, it's easier. <laughs> now she shaved her head. I don't know. I guess she's going to preach to the people with shaved heads. So I'm not sure. I haven't asked her why she shaved her head. But <clears throat> it, you know, it, everything goes back to why you're doing anything, why you're dressing a certain way, and 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 sometimes it's hard even to admit to ourselves why we do things, isn't it? Like you know. Why am I doing this out of ego or out of devotion? Or so I think that's a you know it's really a question the individual has to answer why they're doing it. Why did you get this tattoo? Um, someone might say, "Well, th- this is a tattoo of Sri Radha, so why'd you get it? Because so people are going to see it. You know, I walk down the street, they they look at it and they go, "That's cool," and they're seeing the name Sri Radha. All right, so they're benefiting. They may be thinking like that. I'm benefiting with a name on my body, you know. You'd have to ask them. Um, 
And I think, uh, yeah, culture, you know, cultures will change. And in the future, it may not be tattoos, it may be something else. But um, I think we should be a little cautious about being affected by modern trends, for sure. That's why the dhoti is good, because it's never in style, which means it's always in style. <laughs> and you don't have to worry about the style, because the style never changes. Okay, Maharaj, I think we have to round up. We're going to have Arti. You want to have okay. Darshan? Yeah, I'd like to have Darshan. Uh, Ravi, will you take the computer and show him? Thank you so much for uh, taking uh, your morning morning time and. Uh, My pleasure. Yeah. Nice to see you all. Yes. We Difficult. have a limitation. Of, yeah, we have a li limitation of uh, twenty. It's still on. Yeah. It's just froze. Oh. Yeah, we have limitation a limitation of, of twenty of people. 20. Yeah. Yeah, we have a few devotees on Zoom also. Yes, uh, I sent them link. Some are, some are home. Jai Jagannath. Jai Jagannath. Hare Krishna. Is it Yurga Mataji who was dressing today? Nice. So now Beautiful. we will have, have okay. Arti and the Prasada. <clears throat> okay. I will have I will breakfast then. <laughs> Mahatma Prabhu Ki Jai. Mahatma Prabhu Ki Jai. Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai. So we will, we will see. You know, my wife loves Norway. She says, I love Norway. I want to go to Norway. I love it. Every day she says, she says, I want to go to the north, the northern star. What do they call that? The northern. She wants to go to the northern. Northern lights. And like this yeah. She's dreaming about it. Northern Lights, yeah. She she yeah, wants yeah. to go. So someday we'll come together. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Jai Prabhupada. Jai Prabhupada. Hare Prabhupada. Hare Prabhupada.